What is going on, Pirates Nation? Welcome to yet another episode of Screw It, the Murfanko Experience. I still haven't come up with a name yet, and I think I'm just gonna roll with the goddamn thing because, like, I don't know. I, I just love it. My wife hates it, so that's a bonus. Uh, if I'm being <laughs> honest with you, um, we got another jam-packed episode boys and girls it's going to be a very very fun one for Anthony and I um we hinted at it last week in, in last week's episode uh, that it's pretty big for us so Murph Dog how are you feeling about this man I know you're excited as hell really excited here um been a little under the weather today but like I was telling you off the air before we started like I, I wasn't gonna miss this one so Oh, I know. I, I, I always send him a message like, I don't know, eight hours before the show's about to go. And I I always say like, hey, you good to go? And I don't even know why I sent it because like this man would have to be pretty much dead to not be on this show today. Uh, so we're glad you're here, Anthony, because it's going to be a fun goddamn show. And you know what? Screw it. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is one of the most biggest writers and influence influencers in my life and anthony's life mr tim williams how you doing tim hey cody anthony how's it going guys that means a lot thank you so much yeah man not a problem like like we said man uh anthony was telling me in last week's episode off the air that he brought what would you buy anthony you gotta tell him it was it was, it was the I, I believe it was the 2011 prospect guide on there is one of the first things on there like I, i've been <laughs> yeah. i've been one of the guys from like the very start um following the website so this is like really big for me i i, I selling cody i went back to my mom's house looked through all my stuff to see if i still have it I, i'm quasi hoarder so like i'm I did, surprised i didn't find it find it on there but <laughs> but it's definitely something i went back and, and tried to dig up once cody told me you're going to be on so this is really awesome for you to take take the time out to come on. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you following you know for that long. That that feels like forever yeah. ago. That was the book yeah. that kind of started it all. You know? yeah. He said he if he found it, he was gonna like tape it to his shoulder just to like something. just, just a, a little like, background, background for us. Settle, settle. But guys, we do have a show to get to, and and we got a lot of stuff to cover, a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, of course, with P2, Tim, uh, you cover a lot of Pirates prospects. Um, and with winter ball and things happening now, uh, there's a lot of kids getting some more at-bats, some more uh, innings in. Um, and we'd like to touch on a, a couple of them. And, you know, just to start out, um, what do you think of this whole system uh, now with Ben Charrington, you know, kind of having his claws into everything and making the moves that he wanted to make? Um, you know, a couple drafts in. So where is this, I guess, pipeline or system as compared to the final years of Neil Huntington? Well, I mean, I think that there was a narrative uh, during the changeover that the Pirates didn't have any prospects under Huntington. And, uh, you know, when Sherry took over, it was a full rebuild. I think we've seen that's not the case. A lot of the guys that people are most excited about right now are guys that were in the system at that point but what's really exciting right now is just the approach that they've taken especially in the last year uh literally you know almost the last calendar year of adding to those players and really committing to the rebuild but not just committing to it by bringing new guys in but committing to it by really tackling and attacking what was going wrong at the player development stage so that, you know, it won't be just another cycle like it was before where you have a lot of talented prospects with, we still have big question marks of if they are going to work out, but they are at least attacking the things that went wrong before. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, that, that seems to be where Huntington kind of got, I don't know, hamstrung or caught up. It was the whole development stage. You know, it's, it seemed like they would dominate, in the lower levels. And once they got towards, you know, triple A, maybe it kind of just all seemed to, I, I don't know, not form or, or not pan out. I mean, I mean, look at Tyone. Tyone was how big for how long, and then he just could never put it together or he got hurt and, and things just never seemed to gel with Huntington. Do you think Ben Charrington kind of has the, uh, the sauce 
to kind of like put in this recipe to actually get some kids that could, you know, maybe get a Wander Franco deal, even though it probably will never happen for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, as far as Franco goes, you're talking about having a guy in the majors doing well at, uh, you know, age 20. I can't remember very many Pirates prospects who have been in the majors before age 22. So I think uh, for that to happen, you would have to see a much different promotion schedule, which we've started to see a little bit. We, you know, the way Charrington promoted prospects last year, uh, jumping them up from double A, bringing them up with very little triple A experience. It's unlike what, you know, we've seen in the past, but I really think that you, you mentioned you know, guys dominating the lower levels, then getting called up. I, I really feel like there was almost this issue with the upper levels where Mm -hmm. it was seen as if, you know, you have to spend X amount of time at each area in the upper levels. And I really don't think that every player needed to do that. I kind of look back and wonder, you know, when this guy was dominating in high A, and then he goes to Altoona and he's dominating. We knew at the time the Pirates weren't going to call him up for at least another year. But if that guy was ready, how disheartening would it be for him to think this right now is not good enough? And it very well, it it could have been good enough. You know, we, we don't know that it wasn't, but what they were doing was telling players, this is not good enough. You're going to have to go and you know, do all of this stuff, hit all of these boxes before you get to the majors. And I, I just think that created a, a really bad situation where guys didn't really, you know, it's almost like a mythical dragon display once you, you know, get to the majors. It's like, what do you need to do to get there? Yeah. Uh, because, you know, other than just pass the time. Yeah. And, and I don't know if I could, you know, go as far to say this but do you think a lot of that had to do with like service time manipulation and some of it did i mean i think some of it did you know when you see a guy starting off in triple a and it's all magically he will be ready in june uh by the second week that's definitely (laughs) (laughs) where service time manipulation comes in but um you know i i think that if you're having guys spend you know at least a year and a half maybe multiple years in the upper levels that you know at 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 some point you can try to shorten that a little bit and do like they're doing now see if those guys you know are ready in fact and give them a shot at the uh at the big leagues anthony i know you're brooding over there man so like (laughs) i kind of wanted to i kind of wanted to build off everything right there um you spoke a little bit about like the development and the changes with that and how maybe it's not so much like a spend X amount of time here at one level. It's more the checking the boxes. And then when you're ready, go ahead and go. Is there anything else from like the development standpoint, like in the system that you've noticed major changes wise from like previous regime to this regime? Absolutely. Um, I think the most common thing, is that players have more control over their career and where it's headed. Um, you know, there, there were a lot of things in the past where they were system-wide drills that maybe didn't fit every single player, but they were applied to every player in the exact same way. Now, every single drill, every single approach is optional. The player can partake in it if they want to, you know, use that to further their career. But if they feel it's detrimental to their career they don't have to do that anymore and there have been a couple stories in the past just you know never any one consistent thing but the common thread was guys were being forced into drills that actually took away from their game and took away from their strength trying to build up something that you know they didn't really need (laughs) you know and I, I think that that's you know, you, you could argue that's one of the one of the issues, having more of a cookie cutter approach versus a more individualized approach now. Uh, so that's probably the biggest change I've seen. Plus, you know, it, it seems like a 
much more fun atmosphere at this point, especially if you watch that Bradenton team, you know, celebrating all year and having fun. Just the the atmosphere in general is so much better. Yeah. No more making like Garrett Cole into like a sink. Garrett Cole guys into like sinker ball pitchers and stuff like that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, not just uh, no 70% fastball and then maybe mixing a couple breaking pitches. But, you know, if, if you've got a great fastball, a great slider, throw them both and forget about the rest. You know, just play to your strengths. I, I think if we listen very closely in, in a quiet night, we can still hear Ray Sears saying, throw the two seam. Throw the two seam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... You know, that, that worked for a couple of years and then yeah. uh, it just stopped working, but they did not stop with that approach when it stopped working. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they didn't. Yeah, was... um, the, the one thing, and it, it's kind of cliche to talk about because everyone wants to know who's the most underrated prospect or things of that sort. Um, but I kind of want to touch on that, man. Like, who is someone that no one really talks about or knows about just yet that is going to maybe make a big impact coming into 2022? Now, are you talking big impact uh, potentially in the majors? Or are you talking no, big no, no, impact no. I like mean, rising like a, up in the system? Yeah, like rising up through ranks or the system, whatever you want to call it, like that. Yeah, so um, just uh, thinking of a couple guys who I've got as early sleepers, um, I think I always go a little bit too far off on this because I assume that everybody knows all the guys I have. So I'm going to go with some obscure guy in the GCL and most people will never, you know, follow that far down. They're looking for somebody in double A, but uh, I really got some Chang. Yeah. That's who I was going to say. You know, he, you know, we got some reports on him this year that he was one of the best hitters in the lower levels uh, can play second base, shortstop, third base, has some power potential. So that's the guy I'm really looking at, um, you know, heading into next year. And then I really like uh, the funky delivery of Anthony Solomito. Uh, I'm really excited to watch what he can do next year. And hopefully in a full season, if they get aggressive and send them to Bradenton. But That's the one thing I'm glad you mentioned Solomito because – do you think once he gets into the system and, and coaches start getting their hands on him, are they going to try to change that funky approach? Because that's got to be hard to to repeat over and over and over again. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think it would be if you went from a normal delivery to try to do that, but somehow that seems like his normal delivery. Yeah, And I don't, guess that they would change that just because you know their approach has been more do what makes you good you know we're not going to try to change you unless it's absolutely necessary it doesn't look absolutely necessary for him right now it just looks somehow natural that he's got his you know his arms flying everywhere and you know he's (laughs) <laughs> moving from the left side to the right side of the mound and then the ball's going the other way it's it works for him and i i think my guess would be as long as it works for him we won't see any change yeah we, we definitely need to get some saturday night fever uh when it comes <laughs> out man like something's gonna happen <laughs> it's, it's yeah. gotta go with the theme um, yeah. anthony i know i know you have a certain picture in mind and we talked about it off the air yeah. that you well, want yeah um since you you know you brought up how like the pirates potentially being a- aggressive with uh with that with that with Solomito um the pitcher that I think the most we'll have a couple things on, on maybe about the draft class one one guy out of that class that intrigues me the most was Owen Kellington just mainly solely based off the lack of information we got what all have you heard from him and and you know just give some thoughts and and maybe about him in general i mean those guys you know where you don't get much information they they're always some of my favorites to cover because you know it's literally a gold mine we you know, we don't know much about him on draft day um yeah. really i don't know much more than what we've seen because i've yet to you know really see him uh, i i try to wait for that to really diverge from the draft stuff but uh you know i i think that 
from what I've been kind of projecting out, I would guess that he's going to be on a slower track than some of the top guys, but, you know, still a very projectable pitcher in the lower levels, still a guy who, you know, the goal with all those guys is get a bunch of them and try to develop some of them into big league prospects. And he's definitely got a chance for that. So I, I would expect him in the FCL next year. Um, and I'm really excited to get a look at him come spring training for the first real extended look. And can we please, please play more than like five FCL games in a year? Like, yeah, right. be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was tired of seeing the canceled, you know, cause we get the black and gold game and that'd be something cool to see, you know, just basically batting practice at that point for these kids because they play together all the time but like yeah. it's some bragging rights and it was something cool to see and it was like covid and then uh wasn't there a hurricane or something down there as well there so, was yeah. yeah and that screwed everything up so hopefully we can get these kids some kind of development and i'm glad you mentioned chang before because he's getting more time now in winter ball he, i think he's playing in puerto rico right if i'm not mistaken i believe so yeah yeah I, um I think he just reported on Sunday or something to that effect, maybe Monday. Um, I think John covered that on the site. I, I'll have to go look at it again. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this draft class. Uh, and, and there's one thing that I wanted to ask and that deals with Bubba and I'm sad he cut the mullet off, you know, cause that's, that's, <laughs> that's beautiful. Uh, because I grew up near trailer parks, man. And I saw that all the time and it brought me back to my roots. So that was cool. But <laughs> is, is this kid going to be more of, uh, you know, playing in the field or is he going to, is he going to try to do the Otani thing, man? What do you see from that? I mean, I asked uh, John Baker about that um, back in September, kind of didn't really get a, uh, a clear answer on it. You know, yeah. he just kind of went with the, you know, as, as long as he's hitting home runs, the, uh, the pitching coach is shedding a tear type of answer. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I would really like to see them do that. They've taken so many just highly talented athletic players, um, you know, and I'm not even going back to the, you know, Van Benshoten days, but the last couple of years with, you know, Chandler, with Jared Jones, with just different guys like that, I, they've yet to go the two-way route as far as development. And it seems like he would just be the perfect candidate for that, especially in the early days when, you know, he's not used to playing a full season, 140 game schedule in a ball. Yeah. He's not used to pitching a full season anyway, either. It seems like they could try to split him up there and get him work on either side of the ball. And that's something that other teams have done in the past with similar players. But uh, yeah, I, it would be really fun to see, but also I, I feel like it would just maximize your chances of turning him into a big league player by working on both sides of the game and seeing which one sticks. And I don't see how that's any different than trying a guy in center field and shortstop and seeing, you know, which one works. Yeah. A is a great example. Do you, do you, do you feel like they can with, so like you talked about maybe being aggressive with Solomato. Do you think Bubba then is someone maybe you might want to, have in like the FCL for a year or something like that to make to maybe it's a little bit easier to monitor him since it'd be something newer for him or do you think that's something they can monitor over a full season in like Bradenton I mean I think there's a lot of ways that they could do it they could split the season in half go one half as a hitter one half as a pitcher or they could you know try to have it mixed in throughout the season if they did that but I think the best way to do it would be in you know in a ball and full season ball because it's, it's a very low pressure thing. It's right there in Bradenton. So he could always mm -hmm. go over to the FCL if needed, or, you know, head down to uh, extended spring training when that's going on. Uh, but, you know, it, it would be the best place of all the places that he will eventually stop to, you know, start that experiment. If they did it, I haven't heard anything on if they would, but I really would like to see that, especially with, you know, the talent that he has, uh, you know, on both sides of the ball. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Bradenton because Anthony over here is like cream in his jeans over the word Bradenton. <laughs> Bradenton was my so. team last year. <laughs> <laughs> and I know there's some guys on there that you want to talk about, Anthony. Well, I think, I think the main guy would probably, I'd have to say Andy, just, just, I, and I think the thing that fascinates me the most with him is, is the versatility. 
um, you know, catcher bounced in the outfield by the end of the season. Um, obviously, if there's anyone to talk to about seeing that in the minors, just how common of a thing is that to be able to be that versatile to go from behind the plate to like the outfield or, or first base. I read something too, at some point, I can't remember who read it. Maybe that he ends up at second base or something like that at, at long-term for him to be able to do all of that and still be the kind of hitter that he is as well. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, normally when you see a catcher go to first base or the outfield is because they can't catch and he can catch, yeah. But, you know, they have other options there. They were rotating him around, and he can really play anywhere. I mean, he can play in the outfield. He can play first base. Uh, you know, you mentioned the second base thing. I've, several times this year, you know, John Baker has mentioned that he might be the best second base prospect in the system. He plays it that well. So it, it's he, he's a very special player <laughs> that, you know, it, it, it's – it doesn't matter where he is. His athleticism is going to play, but there's something about him too, that he can just apply his skills all over the field. And then to be able to hit on top of that. I mean, it's, you're talking about a very special prospect who, you know, if he can stay behind the plate, that's great. They don't need that as much anymore because of Henry Davis, but as long as he hits, they will have a lot of different options for, for him to go to. And, uh, you know, it's been a very positive sign seeing him in that pitcher friendly league, just hitting the way he did this past year. Yeah. And the, the thing that we basically got him for bones, like really not much had to be given up to even yeah. sniff at him. So he's a throwing pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Do you, does he remind you, Ed, do you, can you think of anyone that maybe did the same thing like that as him, like that low in the minors or anything like that? can't think of too many people who you know could play catcher and have a chance to stick like he did I know you know there have been some players who they've had that you know I can play catcher but I'm not going to play catcher you know like yeah <laughs> going back to like Neil Walker like you know starting off as a catcher and you, you kind of knew he wasn't going to be a catcher he didn't really even factor into the emergency aspect and that's why I say it's so rare because you know that I can think of a lot of different people who have had that catcher first base right field profile. And it's typically the catcher part was in question, but in this case, none of them are really in question. It's just, he's got versatility and can play anywhere and he can play well anywhere. So he's a very rare player that, you know, haven't really seen a lot of similarities in the past. No, not at all. And the fact that Do you think that versatility can help him? kind of like fly through the system at, at some point if they really wanted to just let him go? Well, I think this is where it really helps is that as a full-time catcher, he would be limited in the amount of at-bats that he got. And, you know, you can offset that as the designated hitter to try to get more plate appearances, but that isn't always a, you know, one player has the exclusive rights to that spot. So, the ability to play everywhere is going to keep him in the game much more often than he would if he was just a straight up catcher. And that is going to answer probably the biggest question of, you know, is his bat going to carry over at each level? So you're going to get a larger sample size than you would if he was just a catcher only. Uh, so yeah, he, he could move faster in theory if, you know, he gets more opportunity at the plate and he continues hitting the way that, that he is and, the versatility will give him those opportunities. Yeah. Um, now it's time to move up uh, one level, and that's into the high A. And I, I'd like you to speak on how hard it is to actually gauge what these prospects in Greensboro can do, um, both on the pitching side and the hitting side, just because of the ballpark that they play in. I know your site posted uh, – you know, the splits, the home and away splits, and everyone's looking at them. You know, how hard was it this year to really gauge what these prospects in Greensboro can do, you know, because the splits are so all over the place? Yeah, it's we, – we don't really have uh, a lot of experience covering the team at that level because it's fairly new team to the system, but then yeah. – also, it's it's a new level. It used to be low A, low now a. it's high A, 
Right. So it's kind of a, a difficult situation where you, you have guys who go to low A and that's a very, one of the most pitcher friendly leagues. Then you have them go to high A and Greensboro has been a very hitter friendly park, but the rest of the, you know, the rest of the league players didn't have the same success. And you can look at some things like, you know, did a player do well at both areas? I think Matt Frazier was one of the few who actually hit well away from, you know, the home park. Uh, but then there are concerning things like, you know, Nick Gonzalez smashing at home, not hitting on the road. It, it's something where, you know, I, I take it into account, but there's not really much at this point that we can conclusively say unless we see a trend develop at that level over multiple years. And then also see, well, how do people follow it up when they go to Altoona? Is it, you know, right. is it something about that league? Is it maybe something about the travel? Is it, is it, or is it actually the park? You know, there could be so many factors and we're still very new on this, but it, it definitely does bring some concerns, especially from the guys who were only hitting at home. Is that the park that's doing it or is that an actual, you know, legit right. hitting, yeah. hitting tool? Yeah. 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 Um, I think Piguero was one of those too. Uh, people thought that he had a lot more pop this year, but I think if you look at his power stats, it was pretty much all at home. Mm-hmm. And that's a little concerning, you know, given that Piguero is fairly high on the Pirates prospect list when you look all over the place. Um, and that's not to, you know, discredit Piguero at all. He's much more than a power hitter. Um, you know, he has, he offers a lot at shortstop position, I think. Um, even though I think he had quite a few errors, but he's young, you know, you got, you got to take that into account. Um, but one player that actually had better away splits was Jared Triolo. He kind of had a crazy, uh, year when you look at it, man, he showed speed. His defense was uh, phenomenal. I think he won a gold glove in in the minors and he was hitting the cover off the ball. You know, he was, he was pretty damn good. So, where did this come from, from Triolo, man? Because he was someone that came out of the thin air pretty much for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's had uh, good contact skills. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of speed, uh, smart base runner, uh, good enough frame for, you know, for power. Uh, he, despite being, you know, kind of a tall guy, he doesn't really have a super long swing or anything, not a lot of holes in his swing, like, you know, another really t- tall guy on the team, uh, Will Matheson, who is kind of a little bit more of a longer, like, golf swing. Uh, and uh, Triolo, like, he he was really impressive this year. Um, I had him down as more of a first-base outfield guy, but the fact that he did so well at third base definitely raises his value being the you know contact hitter who can add some steals, add some home runs. Uh, that That's a great profile for third base. And right now with, you know, I'm not ruling out Cabrian Hayes anytime soon, yeah. but it's nice to have another option in the system, you know, yeah. hopefully won't be needed, but without Hayes right now and without Trillo, I I'm not sure, you know, where that position goes. Yeah, and it, I, yeah. I, I think maybe you can make an argument for Mojica, but he is still so very young. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, in my opinion, he projects more as like a DH guy. Yeah, definitely some mobility issues. Uh, you know, as he grows, he's got a big frame. It would be more difficult for him to stick at third base. More of a first base or DH guy for sure. Nineteen years old, looking like he's twenty six. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll never believe that. Ridiculously, he's, 19. Ridiculous. Like, he's <laughs> like a tree. Nineteen. Um, never believe it no absolutely not and i I, i'd like to you know get into more major league talk because we do have a major league team people i I know that we're going to hear the bob dunning talk again get the hell away from me anyways (laughs) what what do you see charrington doing with this major league club as far as you know 2022 if there even is a a full season or a season at all with the bargaining agreement coming up and it looking like a lockout may happen, but what has Charrington done so far to kind of give us a feel for what 2022 will be? Obviously it's still a rebuild, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I would be very surprised 
if they uh, if they won, if they were competitive um, and a contender in 2022. Uh, so far, we've seen them add uh, Jose Quintana. Um, that yeah. you know, pretty good uh, low cost move. He's only a couple of years removed from being a three to four WAR pitcher. So that's a that's the type of area that they should be working in as they try to build up. Um, obviously, that won't help them much beyond 2022, but. I think that, you know, adding the hitting coach, uh, Andy Haynes, recently, that can make an impact with all the offensive prospects they have uh, coming up. Really, uh, I look at that pitching staff, and it doesn't look ready, even with the addition of uh, Quintana. I I don't think it's even a second pitcher away from contending. I I think that they need some internal guys to develop to kind of lock down some spots before you start to see that rebuild or that build kind of hit hit its fruition yeah yeah and and obviously you're probably talking about guys like Contreras and Yahore uh being the closest um to major league ready um in my opinion I think they should stay at AAA for most of the year um I, I know that's not a very popular opinion but I you need time in AAA I mean you saw a lot of guys kind of skip time in AAA and then hit a wall in the majors. I'd rather them hit a wall in AAA and figure it out down there before they have to go to the majors. I, I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but I mean, that's just how I feel with that situation, you know? So. Yeah. And that's, that kind of gets to what we were talking about earlier with, uh, you know, when to promote a guy. Um, I don't know if there's any right answer. And I don't think that even if you got something that felt like a right answer, it would be universally correct across every single player. You look at Contreras, how little time he's had above a ball at this point. And, you know, yeah, he went to the majors. He did well. His stuff should be able to, you know, play in the majors next year, even if he came up early, but again, what is he missing? What, what is he not learning that, you know, you call him up after so little time? What, what are you skipping over? If anything at all, I think that's, that's a really interesting discussion to have. Um, I also would add that uh, the guys who are in the majors right now are some of the guys who I'm still not writing off uh, mostly JT Brubaker, Mitch Keller, yeah, I've always. Uh... <laughs> it's easy, Anthony's guy. Just so you know, that, that's my that's my boy. So like, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've always felt uh, Brubaker could be you know an average starter, could be you know possibly better than that, and I, I don't think we've seen the best out of him so far. Uh, Keller, I've been very high on. Um, you know, I, I think that he could. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we've seen the best out of either of them, and considering how many Pirates pitchers who were developed under. Neil Huntington and under that development system who went to other organizations and, you know, figured it out there. I would like to see them try to attempt the same thing here, you know, just pretend Pittsburgh is a different place and, (laughs) you know, just new atmosphere, new culture and see if one, two of those guys can, you know, fill a long-term spot before you start looking at, Contreras and the guys down in triple a or even you know priester and guys in double a or lower yeah yeah and and this is just my lonely opinion out of you two apparently but i i think (laughs) i think jt is more fit for a bullpen i think he's once or twice through the lineup kind of a piggyback starter type role because let's be honest the pirates are going to shell out probably 12 to 13 starting pitchers throughout the season if not more Uh, We're going to see a lot of different call-ups, signings, whatever. And I think JT is better suited in the bullpen. And that's not a bad thing. Like, people always look at me like I'm some fucking You're just wrong with that. That's that's an excellent role for JT. Now I have someone on my side. (laughs) Shut up, You're wrong. I got someone on my (laughs) side. Bastard. (laughs) Um, I mean, that's definitely where the game is heading, though. uh, Where, you know, you, you talk about having a negative reaction to saying somebody is a reliever well in today's game if a guy can come in and throw you know two or three innings on a pretty consistent basis that's that's not the low value reliever that just comes in and throws one token inning in either the sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth whatever his role is you know 
it, it's starting to be a different game. And I think that Brubaker could be a starter who, you know, can give you five to six innings consistently average or slightly better overall numbers and kind of fill a rotation spot. It's not top of the rotation stuff or anything like that, but he could be that guy, but then he also could be a very elite, you know, multi-inning reliever who, you know, one time through the order just shuts guys down, dominates them. And I'm not really sure which, you know, obviously you want the guy who can go five innings, but I think if he can play up in two or three innings, then, you know, yeah. you, you can't really go wrong there. I, I think either way, he's he's better than what we've seen so far. Yeah, and, and, uh, and I think yeah. the Pirates are kind of filled with a lot of those kind of pitchers, uh, Will Crow being one of them. Uh, yeah. He's definitely destined for that type of role. And he kind of turned it on towards the end of the season. I think his last start was his best start, um, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. But I, I don't know. That trade is looking a lot more weird than what I thought it would be. Uh, I'm still holding hope for Eddie Yeen. I doubt he's going to get picked in the Rule 5. Um, mm. But I, I don't know. I, I saw Eddie Yeen and Bradenton kind of, you know, build up some more confidence. I, I don't know. I'm still high on Yeen. And, and I know I told said we were going to talk about the majors, but I need your opinion on Yeen. I mean, I I think that uh, it's it's really difficult at that level, a young pitcher, uh, you know, having the control problems that he he's had it, a lot of, uh, hard throwers kind of run into that issue at a young age, because, you know, you see a jump in velocity. It's kind of harder to control where it's going to go. It's just kind of grip it and rip it type of, yeah. uh, mentality. And it's not really, it's more throwing than pitching, I guess, uh, if you will. So, I'm not really too concerned by the overall numbers. Uh, the stuff was impressive. It was there. And it's just about getting him, you know, kind of harnessed and to a better place where he can control it. And he's young enough that he's got plenty of time to do that. Yeah. Mateo kind of reminds me of that. He kind of figured it out towards the end of the season and yeah. developed a deadly slider. I don't know. Uh, I, I You obviously work for BA and I, I think you've held them at gunpoint to, actually talk about the pirates more often they kind of seem high on the pirates now and i always tell my buddy nola i I bet you tim's in the office just like holding them at gunpoint to talk about the pirates more often (laughs) and i'm living for it man all right so we we got a lot of pirates talk in there and and that's all well and good but this episode uh at least for me and anthony here is just to hear Tim's story to, to hear what he's been through, what he's done, what's, what's motivated him to do what he's done uh, with his writing career and things of that sort. Uh, Because to be honest with you, he's driven at least me to do what I do now. And it's an inspiration. So Tim, I'm going to let you have the floor, man. Oh man. I mean, you know, you say I inspired you. uh, So that's definitely not something that I expected. Uh, to ever hear (laughs) when I started out you know that I would inspire anybody with what I did makes me feel like I should have had some more restrictions on myself along the way you know but uh, no I I really appreciate it I mean I kind of just ran into an opportunity you know Pedro Alvarez in his first season was playing 30 minutes away from me and so I started a website to kind of have a project following the pirates and it's led to this uh today it's it's been a great ride but uh i think the best part is just being able to learn so much about the game and getting that inside look at everything that's that's been a lot of fun yeah and i mean the the site that you've built up now you know with john and wilbur which we'll touch on in a second here and you know ethan and you know just the site as a whole and, and it's it's given a lot of information uh, on the pirates in general, and in my opinion, it's one of the spots that uh, you know people go to for the right information. You know, may not always be the fastest, but it's the right uh, information that we need. So, what what led you to you know meeting these guys and and you know starting this site uh, as a whole? Um, you know, John and Wilbur, uh, actually joined in 2010. They've been almost since the beginning. Uh, they just, you know, 
John was on a message board breaking international news and, uh, you know, also had, you know, a, a really big interest in uh, Pirates history, which we've turned into a, a full website now. Uh, but, you know, Wilbur has obviously covered, uh, followed the minor leagues since before Neil Huntington, since the Dave Littlefield days, uh, a lot of experience covering things. He's seen a lot of players come through, has a lot of really good refer reference points for prospects. So, um, with pretty much anybody, it's I, I want to bring people in who know their stuff, you know, and, and who are out there doing it. And it, it's really just it's information. It's it's finding the most information on all of these players, finding the most up to date stuff and just trying to compile it to get a, a good overall picture of each player, but then the, the organization as well. It's, it's kind of a fun treasure hunt every year, but uh, yeah, I, I couldn't have done it without, uh, without John and Wilbur over the years. I mean, the, the stuff that they add, the, they're essential to our, our ranking process. It's just huge having them, having them there. And it's kind of a fun time of year right now, actually, because we're working on the prospect guide, the, uh, you know, 2022 guide, and, uh, you know, coming up with the rankings. And every year I want to kind of just publish the discussions that we have because they're, uh, you, you know, they're, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, um, you know, just not too different than what we've been talking tonight. You know, I like this player. I don't like this player as much. Here's why. Here's why not. But I think it's, it's a look at the process that we don't really reveal on the other side. We reveal it as here is the list, but we never really reveal, you know, all the, uh, all the makings of it. We, we might do a little bit of that this year, uh, yeah. get some kind of behind the scenes looks at it. Okay. So I was talking to Anthony off the air before, and I said, I'm going to ask about Wilbur. I just have to. And I have to know, is it what kind of uh, funding is it going to take for Wilbur to get a goddamn Twitter account? Or do you know something we don't know and it's a burner account and he just doesn't tell anybody? <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I honestly, I'm trying to find this burner account if he does have one because he knows some stuff going on on Twitter. So I, I think he's got some kind of link to that. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's one of my life goals to get him to, to join the fray of Twitter. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, we might even have to change what Twitter completely is for a couple of days to throw him off. Just, you know, no, it's, it's totally fine now. It's not a dystopian wasteland where people just fight to the death every day over pointless, pointless arguments. But and when you put it like that, he just doesn't want to hop on right away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's weird how, you know, saying that, yeah. Talking about how everybody's just having childish arguments would make him not want to join. That yeah, no, to right. me would be like, yes, uh, I mean, before we did this, I literally browsed TikTok for like an hour for that very reason. So, I mean, I, Same. You know, it's all about finding your sales approach, I feel like. And, and that didn't work with him. So we'll try something else. <laughs> well, I mean, it seems like you could sell like a broken car to anybody. So if you're going to get Wilbur to do it. It'd be it'd be you. No one else can do this. I doubt John could do it. It's definitely going to rely on your shoulders. And I hope you're willing to take this major burden. <laughs> I mean, hey, I look at it this way. We've already established tonight that I have sold a prospect guide on the 2011 Pirates prospects to Anthony. <laughs> so, I mean, Absolutely. just use that. Use that I'm not magic. a hard sell, though. <laughs> I am not a hard sell. <laughs> Uh, hey, you know what? I'll take it anyway. <laughs> and he's a salesman. Like, put that into yeah. perspective. He is a salesman. So, I'm a salesman who's been sold a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I kind of wanted to get into this because tomorrow is obviously Turkey Day. And there's a lot of uh, slander going on about Turkey on Twitter that just really irks me. So, as... Turkey obviously belongs at Thanksgiving, right? And not just Thanksgiving, but other days of the year, right? Like, I'm not the crazy one here. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say, him. like, think, think of it this way. <laughs> Over to turkey, today. <laughs> turkey is a garbage meat. Like, 
here's how I make it for Thanksgiving. I brine it in whiskey and apple cider overnight. And then I take it and I smoke it for like 10 hours using applewood and cherry wood and just different types of things. Delicious. Put stuff on the inside like an apple. It it turns out great, but it takes me a full day and I could just put (laughs) a plain burger on the grill and it would be infinitely better. It would be so much better. You could do a grilled chicken breast and it would be the exact same because you have to work so hard to make turkey even appealing. And that's the big problem. Absolutely. I also spent five years at Walmart stocking turkeys. So, like, I'll never touch a turkey again in my life. Man, yeah, you guys yeah. are just ripping my heart out here. Like, come on. You know, I, I, I feel that, though, because, you know, back in my college days, I worked in a movie theater for several years. And the combination of popcorn and soda, having to smell that together for years, I I can't eat popcorn anymore. So I, I, I know where you're coming from on the uh, the turkey thing there. I, yeah, nah, I won't touch it. Well, I mean, currently with me, I work at UPS. And thank God they funded my college. So that's cool. It's my sixth college. So, hey, I graduated finally. So that's cool. But anyways, <laughs> we get about, I don't know, 2.5 billion Target packages a day. So when my wife wants to go to Target, I, uh, I, my head explodes and I, I grow a new one in about two hours, but that's a painful process, man. I just can't stand Target anymore. If it wasn't for Starbucks, like, I don't think I would exist going to Target anyways. Like, I'm so thankful for that. And, you know, I'm, I'm extremely thankful for, uh, even though this podcast is in its infancy, the, the guests that we've had and Tim, you have not disappointed whatsoever, it's been an extremely fun process. I mean, the couple of days leading up, knowing you were coming on and actually really, really preparing. Like me and Anthony prepare a little bit, but we like like to keep it loose. But fuck, man, I, I like deliberated so many questions for you. It's not even funny. Yeah. Um, half of my list isn't even asked. And, and I'm not going to ask you to stay on for seven hours because I, I I definitely could keep on going if I wanted to. Um, well, I mean, we got uh, we got plenty of time in the future. I mean, this Pirates build is going to keep going on, so there's more opportunities yeah. going forward. But you know, I want to know what what drives you guys. What uh, you know, what is the inspiration for covering the Pirates for for wanting to do this for you guys? Uh, I hate myself, so that's why I called it Pirates. <laughs> 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 no, I, I mean, no, um, I mean, for for myself, uh, my dad was a big sports fan. But growing up, I spent a lot of time with his mom, my grandma, who re- who passed away last year or two years. Oh, I'm sorry ago. To I can't even that. remember now. You know, she was a a big part of my life, and I can remember. You know, she loved the Steelers, she loved the Penguins, but the Pirates were her thing. And you know, she grew up on the South Side, close to Forbes Field. Um, and her dad was a first generation born in America. His parents were from Germany and, um, you know, he didn't have any girl or boys. Uh, so she was kind of his boy in a way, and he'd take her to doubleheader games. And she'd tell me all the stories of, you know, going when it was light out and him carrying her home while it was dark out. And, uh, you know, every time the seventh inning stretch would come, she would sing, take me out to the ball game, you know, when she was a little kid to when she passed away, you know, cancer was eating her up and she was still singing, take me out to the goddamn ball game, man. Like, (laughs) and, you know, she was a big part of why I wanted to make something of myself and writing and podcasting is kind of where I feel I can make a little bit of a difference i know that sounds sappy but like that's really my story i never really told my story so i'm thankful that you asked that that that's really awesome because i mean it it really hits to the heart of like you know what makes baseball so great it's it's such a tradition that's you know it's rooted in families it's rooted in where you were born where you live the relationships you have and that that's just an amazing story you know that you and your grandmother were able to kind of share that about baseball and then now you're able to do this and I'm, I'm glad that you're adding your voice to it because I mean there's this perception that you know we have 
this many voices already and what else can you say? But I, I don't think that. I think we're getting to a great era where you've got so many people adding their voices and so yeah. many different ways to do that for whatever medium feels strongest for you. And I think you guys are doing a great job with this. I mean, you know, definitely keep it up. Keep, keep that going. Thank you. Thank we you. We appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, and I, I really appreciate the partnership with Pittsburgh baseball now as well, you know, working with Alan, um, it, it's changed a lot, uh, for me personally, you know, I, I lost the drive to write for a very long time, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's been a very, very big pleasure to, you know, work with you personally, man. And I'm, I'm very thankful for it. So thank oh, you. Man. I mean, you, you've been doing an amazing job, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that, uh, you know, we're able to do this project on uh, Pittsburgh baseball now. And, uh, you know, hopefully I can get everything on my side with Pirates Prospects and uh, Pittsburgh Baseball Network, you know, kind of churning to where I can start writing some articles over at uh, Pittsburgh Baseball now. I have a feeling that will be next season when I, you know, have a little bit more uh, more content coming in, can focus on that a little bit more. But, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really excited to, you know, read what you and Danny have every single day and then, you know, see what you guys have here on the podcast, you know, prepared every week. It's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. And and spread the Murfanko name around Tim. That's all I got (laughs) to say. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, just keep using your voice. I mean, keep, keep putting your opinions out there. Keep, uh, keep doing what, what you feel is your strength in this. And it, you know, I, I believe it will work out. You already have the work ethic. You already have that. Everybody's approach, everybody's voice is going to be different. Everybody's stance is going to be different. You know, some people will be wrong about JT Brubaker being a starting not pitcher. Us, well, <laughs> not, not us, though. No, no not, not us. us. That's really the point of tonight is that uh, it's it's if you think JT Brubaker won't be a starter, you're wrong. That's that's pretty much where, where we... God you kind damn. of wrap it all up. <laughs> like you ruined my turkey, and then you ruined my stance on JT. Tim, been, what the hell, been, man? It's been a rough, a rough night for Cody. It's, it has. <laughs> God damn. I've, I've, I've enjoyed it too. Just, just, just. <laughs> but like I said, man, this episode has been extremely fun, um, and we definitely got to hook up again. You know, when the season gets going, and and we can talk. Uh, actual baseball and not dream about baseball so uh i'm looking forward to it tim and uh me and anthony got to do a little closing here so uh we'll talk soon man and the episode will drop tomorrow but uh i'm i won't ask you to tweet it out or anything but uh you know give us a listen if you want tell us if we suck or not so that'll be cool (laughs) oh i'm definitely gonna tweet it out so you know hopefully uh hopefully we get some good feedback for you guys and uh hopefully you know this might first interview for a while so hopefully i didn't suck or no no just direct that uh that criticism my way because i'll i'll definitely take it this time i feel like i'm (laughs) i'm off i'm i'm in off season mode right now and (laughs) spring training (laughs) is far away i feel it man my bones are cold and and chilled so definitely (laughs) get it uh but tim have a good night happy thanksgiving to you and uh we'll talk again soon man yeah yeah thanks for having me on you guys uh Have a great rest of the show. Have a great holiday and uh, look forward to this again. All right, brother. Have a good one. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. I'm going to let that breathe. (laughs) I'm going to let that air out for a minute, man. Like, that was. The only thing I can say on that is he's a JT Breaker guy. So you know what, Murph? Dog, shut the hell up, man. Shut up. No. Shut up. I know. I know. I he's know. a turkey hater. He's a turkey <laughs> hater. I can't believe it, man. Can't believe it. But no, this this episode was. I know we say this every goddamn time, and I said a lot of goddamns for just for you. You know who you are. You know who you are. Hey. hey. But this has been. <laughs> an incredible episode and like i said i really don't care if we get a lot of views on this or downloads or whatever that'd be great but this was all for the experience man like to hear him actually in person speak on these prospects that we've been 
hyping up and talking about and building something in our heads that's much grander than what we see now mm-hmm. is an incredible experience. You know, we read his stuff and, and we see his tweets, but to actually hear Tim Williams in person was just incredible. And Murph, I know you got to be feeling the same, dude. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I really got my first bit of writing, starting writing back around the 2010 draft. I want to it's the Garrett Cole draft. Like I was real excited because the Pirates had the first overall pick. So I kind of wanted to go a little in depth and research some of the guys they could take, even though it was, you know, really just Cole or Rendon at that point. But, and then like, just as I'm searching the web, just kind of stumbled across his site at some point. And like I said, I got the, the, was I think it was the 2011 prospect book for him. And just to, to have someone that you followed for that long come on and take take time to talk and get to talk about the thing that you invested so much time reading his stuff about that was just a very awesome experience. And I mean, you said you said it too. I feel like we say this every every week, but like like it it it, it feels like that every week that like yeah like we're 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 living a dream with it. You know, we're talking about players that are we're talking to players that uh or living the dream, playing, playing, you know, the sport we grew up loving. We're talking to a guy who helped influence and shape where we're at now. You know, it's, it's just awesome. Yeah. I like, I, not going to lie. A couple of times, my legs were literally shaking. Like I, I was <laughs> bouncing them up and down. My cat kept thinking it was like a toy or something. kept like pawing at my feet and I like, get the hell out of here. You know what I mean? Like, but the, yeah. I have no other words to say, but this was awesome. And on Thanksgiving Eve, I couldn't be more thankful. And Absolutely. that sounds so corny. And I'm not a corny guy at all. <laughs> although I love corn on the cob, so that's cool. But, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a, a very corny guy, but I'm very thankful for today's episode, man. Same. And, you know, I, I hope that, you know, you and your family have a great uh, turkey day. Uh, hopefully you don't watch the Detroit Lions and Chicago Bears with Andy Dalton and yeah I was so like I'm a really big <laughs> Justin Fields guy so like I was really excited to get to watch him and then like they say he's out and like like yeah I'm okay with missing that yeah sorry Mike <laughs> Persack we, we love your stuff man but like <laughs> them Lions them loins are, uh, yeah no uh, you tied the Steelers I'll give you that man that was embarrassing but the Steelers suck anyways man it, it's been a rough season uh, to say the least. Um, but the Penguins are doing all right. So that's that's real cool right now. So Yeah, they won again tonight. Yeah, they did. It was a four to one. I was listening four to one. Yeah, home. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. It's Vancouver. It's not, not like a win's a win. Yeah, win's a win. Tristan Jar is looking all right. So I'm happy he is. about it. He is. Yeah. He is. Wait, where this is a baseball pocket. What the hell's going on? Like, come on, Murph. You you got <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, um, I got I got energy for days now. I feel I feel Absolutely. ready, and uh, you know I, I can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode. And thank you so much for listening, um, as you always do. Like I said, we're in our infancy, but we're growing as fast as we can. We have over a hundred downloads now, so hip hip hooray for that. Um, I'm working towards getting on Apple. It's been a very slow process, but. Um, wherever you're listening to this, let me know in the comments so I can tweet out more of those links. Um, and right now we're going to give out our socials and uh, then we'll say our goodbye. So for me, uh, I would personally find it amazing if you followed uh, my only account now, really, uh, which is at Murfanko. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's at Murfanko because I'm going full blown with this thing, man. Uh, I love the name because my wife hates it. So that's cool. Um, that's a Murph, recipe for success. It, it is. <laughs> it, it is because I get to have little victories every time I say it because I see her cringe and I live for it. Uh, she's making me nut rolls right now. So I kind of got to be quiet with that. But um, Murph, give them your socials, dude. Um, as always, give me a follow on Twitter at double underscore Murphy 88. I've actually transitioned most of my stuff to through the fence baseball.com. So if you want to give them a follow as well, you'll find most of my stuff pirates wise and 
random other stuff here and there as well. Yeah. And you recently put out an article about the Wander Franco deal and dealing with Brian Reynolds and things of that sort. Uh, you guys should definitely give that a read. It's very good food for thought um, because it's true if you really think about it. And you know what I mean if you read it, because I'm not going to give it away. You have to read it. Um, secret. Yeah, it's a secret for all you uh, very little subscribers out there who listen to this show. So, yeah, that's that's the kind of platform I have, Murph, for you. I can give you 11 readers. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, guys, uh, this has been an excellent episode, in my opinion. I hope you're having a great Thanksgiving. Um, I will retweet this out on Friday for those of you who take a social media break for the holidays. I get it. Um, but yeah, we love you very, very much. Uh, make sure you like, rate, subscribe the uh, podcast wherever you listen to the podcast and uh yeah happy thanksgiving we love you and most importantly let's go bucks go bucks